It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. Have you guys started or even finished your Christmas shopping yet? I sure have it. It is uh, December 7th as you hear this. And uh, as I mentioned last week, man, uh, Christmas lights are up. The music's going everywhere. Uh, even those who are completely against Christmas, they have uh, no other uh, option really than to uh, embrace it. Sink or swim, if you will, here on the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, got a lot to get to. I, I was going into the weekend not thinking about uh, what am I going to talk about uh, this week uh, on the podcast. And sure enough, things come up. Things come up indeed. And um, yeah, plenty to uh, at least react to, we'll say, here on the podcast. Um, I have some thoughts on, um, again, the Christmas season, some thoughts on some things going on in sports, some uh, personal opinions on just some other random topics and things but uh, i do first and foremost want to acknowledge the day uh it is december 7th uh 2022 as you guys uh listen to this and that is a date that uh a day which will live in infamy right as said by president roosevelt back in 1941 the anniversary of the attacks by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor uh, that really uh, brought us into uh, World War II. And unfortunately, just a, an awful day right up there with 9-11 uh, as far as the amount of uh, death and destruction uh, there that occurred in Hawaii. Uh, 3,000, 3, I think, lost, very similar to 9-11. I don't have the uh, actual numbers in front of me, so pardon, excuse me for that. But um, when you look at the greatest generation and, and that date and and the the brave men that went and fought in not just one but two uh, two continents uh, to to fight evil, fight imperialism, uh, true oppression, right? And the Nazis and Imperial Japan, um, you know, you just can't can't help but but just reflect and say, man, I I don't know that I could have done that. I'm 37 now, about to be 38, which is crazy. Um, but for so many of those young men who who died at Pearl Harbor, they were just they're training. You know, it was a Sunday morning. They hit them bright and early. A lot of them were um, taking part in uh, in morning mass and. Um, yeah, just an awful day. Uh, so many of those guys who didn't die instantly, you know, they died uh, b below, uh, you know, drowning and uh, have, living for a few days below water that they, they couldn't get to them. And it's just an awful, awful day. And I, I hate to bring up the details of it all, but I think we owe it to those people to think about the details, to think about those things when we're having a tough day. We think, oh man, this just day won't ever end. Oh man, this is a really hard day. It's just like, no man, Pearl Harbor, um, you, you say a, a, a name of a place and for its significance to just hit your heart really says something about what went, what went on there, uh, you know, 80, 81 years ago, uh, to the day. So, um, God bless the greatest generation. And it just reminds me all the time that we have, I think we've fallen so much from where we were in the 1940s and, and the 1950s. And some people would argue and they would say, oh, man, we've, we've come such a long way. All the oppression and stuff we had back then. Yeah, we weren't we weren't perfect. But I'm just talking about the overall character of uh, of, of the United States and just the, the men, the women, the families. I, I don't know. I just think we have slipped a, a long, a long way ago, a long time ago. And I just think of that greatest generation, man. And just so many guys who as soon as Pearl Harbor happened. Uh, who weren't in the military, they they joined up. You know, a lot of guys didn't have to be drafted. They they signed up and they knew it was the right thing to do. And then, of course, many others did get drafted, including my grandfather, who uh, who bravely fought. And I have his uh, military picture uh, by my door. I, I walk by it every single day. His American flag. He didn't die in combat, but uh, he made it back and had himself a um, military funeral when he died uh, when I was in high school. And it's something I, I cherish. And not just for him, but for all the people that fought in World War II. And we, we throw the term around... Uh, Nazi and stuff all the time now. It gets thrown around. It, it's it, when we do that, it cheapens the word. It cheapens the true evil. I mean, a lot of words get thrown around now, and we it's we've we've cheapened it so much. Word uh, words are everything, right? And you know, uh, it just uh, we we have to pay attention. I don't think we have been the past few years, at least in my uh, you know my my middle age, at almost going to be going to be there soon. It's just I think. 
with technology, with social media, with all the things, all the access and the, the technology we have at our fingertips, I think language and messaging and verbiage is bigger and, and more significant than it ever has been. So a lot has changed since 1941. I will say that um, we've gotten rid of uh, some true evil, gotten rid of a lot of bad things. And there's still plenty, you know, no, we don't live in a utopia. So I'm sorry. Some people want a perfect world. It, it doesn't exist. There's going to be bad things, right? There's bad things out there and you got to uh, stand up to them and try to, uh, you know, live, live our, live our lives and our society the best we can. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that, that are against that. They want to see society crumble. They want some other, uh, I don't know, some other random, random world. But anyway, I do want to acknowledge December 7th, 1941, because wouldn't you know what? There's plenty of kids these days. And I say kids, I mean, people, my age, people in my twenties, they don't know right off the bat. What is, December 7th, what date is that? There's certain dates we should all know. Uh, sorry, 9-11 is a big one. December 7th, uh, June 6th, which was D-Day. Um, I'm sure there's other dates out there that, that I should be aware of that I don't off the top of my head right now. But uh, yeah, just some people were like, oh, Pearl Harbor, what? Uh, yeah, that was in, uh, where, where, what country was that in again? I mean, there's just people that, we don't teach things in school anymore. I, I truly believe that. And it's not, I mean, look at all the teachers I had. God bless, God bless every one of you because you, you guys worked hard for me. Uh, with me to to get me through all this stuff. But I'm just talking in general. I think history is out the door. And I heard something brilliantly said the other day talking about, um, you know, the future. And we always are looking to the future and, 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 and the present day and everything, right? And so some people, especially for the older generation, um, a lot of times it's not the, the, the present and the future that is difficult to deal with. It is the the, the past that ends up, it keeps getting changed. That's why you see statues torn down. You, you see people trying to erase things that happen. And it's like, there may have been some wrongs that happened, but you can't erase the fact that they, that they did happen there. They were there. And anyway, it's, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I got some other things I want to get to, but I did need to acknowledge Pearl Harbor. And um, that is a place, honestly, of all the places I've been in my life, that is a place that I absolutely uh, want to get here in the very near future. I've been to uh, Normandy. I've been to all kinds of places uh, in the U.S. Uh, I haven't been to Hawaii, and Pearl Harbor is definitely on my bucket list, uh, and I got to get there. I don't know. I don't know when I can get there, but I am going to get there uh, in the next, I'll say, 10 years. I, I don't know. 10 years used to seem like a long time. Now it's like a blink of an eye for me, but I will get to Pearl Harbor someday, and I will spend uh, a long, long time there because um, it's, it's probably the one place – on my list is probably at the top. I've got to say so. So, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor, never forget. Remember not just that day, but the aftermath of that, the thousands of Americans who, uh, went to two continents and fought world war II to rid the world of tyranny. Well, in other less terrible news, less tragic news, I guess we could say, uh, there's plenty of things that hit the newswire today, just today, uh, here on Tuesday that I have to react to on Tuesday evening uh, right away. First of all, one of the greatest uh, referees of all time, probably the most noticeable, recognized referees in any sport, passed away. Uh, Judge Mills Lane died at the year of uh, at 85 years young. Uh, God bless him and a great boxing referee career. I mean, uh, no one... Even if you don't know anything about boxing, I mean, you cannot help but know uh, who Judge Mills Lane is. Or I see Judge Mills Lane because he had a didn't he have a television show or whatever. Uh, Mills Lane passed away at the age of 85. He was uh, the referee in so many big fights, most notably the the bite fight where Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. Uh, he had that shaved head. He, you know, of course they all wear the bow tie and everything, but his big things to start rounds. But hey, let's get it on. And so, so many people say that now when they start some type of uh game activity or whatever it might be something at recess a lot of people probably don't even remember where it comes from but when you hear let's get it on that is from mills lane who passed away uh today december 6th at 85 years old uh let me see he suffered a stroke 20 years ago in march of 2002 so uh he he's kind of lived a rough life here for 20 years his family was saying um, i'm looking at an espn article here that uh life wasn't easy quote the 20 past years after the stroke were pretty rough so uh mills lane 
uh, resting peacefully up in uh, up in uh, heaven, and uh, hopefully he's got he's he's rested up and he's got some he's got some fights to officiate. Uh, he was a no nonsense guy, man. He just got in the ring. Uh, the way he would talk to fighters, he was just that that I don't know that graspy voice, that old school dude, really that uh, just handled business. And when you're when you have to officiate something between two grown men, two of the baddest men on the planet, especially at the heavyweight division. I just cannot imagine, dude, like dealing with that stuff. So although not many people root for the referees, right, or any of that stuff, I would argue uh, Mills Lane is the most recognizable official in any sport uh, by by fans. Um, if you look at, I mean, throughout history, uh, you got Ed Hockley, right, who, who was in the NFL. He had a great, uh, you know, he was always tight shirts and he was always ripped. Um, red cash in, in the NFL also first down, but everybody knows Mills Lane and a lot of people do some type of, uh, some form of his, let's get it on. Right. Uh, other fighters, you know, other referees. I love MMA. I love boxing. I'm always watching the referees too. Um, you know, they all have their little catchphrases, but I think we all deep down know, or we knew, oh yeah, Mills Lane had that fight. Or you think of referee, even if you don't think boxing, man, Mills Lane, uh, let me see this ESPN article said he turned to pro lane regarded, uh, for his no nonsense attitude as a third man in the ring, started boxing after he joined the Marines Semper Fi in 1956 and was later defeated in the U S Olympic trials in 1960 in San Francisco. He turned pro as a welterweight the following year and suffered a first round TKO loss in his first, in his debut lane went on to win 10 consecutive fights, uh, six by KO and retired in 1967 with a 10 and one record. So cool that a guy who was in the ring as a fighter then became uh, an official. And, and that's what I always encourage guys who have, who have played a sport. It doesn't mean you'll be great at it, but it, it could give you some uh, success in officiating. If you've played that game, you played that sport. Um, you have, the thing is you have to automatically Take the knowledge that you have as a coach or a player and, and put it to the side, not throw it away, but put it to the side as you then transition into an official because you see the game uh, or the uh, the fight or whatever you're officiating in a, in a completely different light, right? So uh, anyway, uh, he had the Bernard Hopkins, uh, Robert Allen fight that ended in a in a, in a brawl or, or something or no, Hopkins was a jet. Anyway, I'll let you guys read that stuff. You guys look it up. Mike Coppenter for ESPN does great Riding in boxing, but the Hall of Fame boxing referee Mills Lane uh, passes away at 85. And so, uh, for for anyone out there who's uh, officiating, uh, or maybe you're you're you play, mom and dad, right? I'm sure you guys are officiating amongst the kids' games and stuff. Hey, let's get it on. Let's let's throw that in there and, and educate the young ones uh, to one of the most recognizable uh, referees uh, in all of sports. Mills Lane, God bless you. Um, okay, this is uh, look. I talked about. Pearl Harbor already. Um, I got to get this is uh, just when you thought the season couldn't get worse for me. My LA Rams, they fell to three and nine on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know why. You know why I watch? Because I'm a true fan. I care about my team. I know they're terrible. I've watched bad teams forever, so I can deal with it. It's it's three and a half hours of misery. You just you just suck it up and you deal with it. I'm not a fair weather fan guy, um, but something that happened Tuesday afternoon that I about crashed, crashed my car uh, was my nightmare coming true. And uh, Baker Mayfield was picked up by the Rams on waivers uh, signed. You guys know, if you've listened to this podcast that I am not a Baker Mayfield fan by any means. I think he's immature. He's cocky. Uh, he's not very good. Uh, he talks a big game. Um, he's a show butter. He's just all everything wrong to me with uh, sports. He's got his police video that always oh, apologized for. Uh, but not a guy you you invest in, in my opinion. Definitely not the number one overall pick. So he played a, a few games with the Panthers this year, and uh, they released him or whatever happened, and and the Rams picked him up. Now, um, this is like LeBron coming to the Lakers for me. This is very frustrating because it's just like I don't know if it's that bad. Only because Baker Mayfield's not going to be the starting quarterback of the LA Rams. He may play a few games here as the season is ending. Because the Rams, as I mentioned last week, as, as far as backups go, unless you're the 49ers, then you just you just you print quarterbacks. Apparently, uh, Godspeed, Jimmy Garoppolo, and a safe recovery or a, a healthy recovery. And uh, who's their next guy? Brock Brock something. Anyway, he he did just fine. I guess when you got a great defense, it doesn't matter. But anyway, the Rams backup quarterbacks have been awful. Uh, Bryce Perkins and 
uh, who's the third stringer, and then um, John Wolford, uh, who's who's okay, but I mean they both move around. They, you know they're they're mobile guys, but as far as throwing the ball consistently down the field. Uh, they're not very good at it. So here is my interpretation as to what happened. When I saw Baker Mayfield signed by the Ram, I go, oh, or picked up off of waivers. I go, man, come on. Now, okay, I want to I want to ease in here. How do I go? I, I first was mad. I'm like, why would you do that? And I was like, okay, because there's, what is there, uh, three and 12? There's five games left in the season. It's like, come on, dude, the season's a wash. Just let the games end. Run the ball every play if you need to and let, let everything in. But my thought was, Okay, they're backup quarterbacks. They've both given opportunities to in Walford and uh and uh, I just said his name. Oh my goodness. Uh third string quarterback of the Rams. Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh and so I think they're like, well, let's bring in this guy. There's a few things, reasons I think the Rams, as you know, they're movers and shakers the past few years. They brought in Baker Mayfield for a few reasons. To me, it's like, let's get him on the field, maybe push our other backups, uh, and, and uh, maybe he can compete for the backup sh- backup job here in the future. Because that, quite honestly, that's what Baker Mayfield's going to be from here on out throughout his career. I said it in the summer when he went to uh, Carolina, and now it's a- absolutely true. He's going to be a backup quarterback if his ego does not get in the way the rest of his career. So there's that. The other thing was... Um, Bryce Hopkins was the uh, Rams searching quarterback. But the other thing I, I said, you know what? The Rams have like zero, zero draft capital. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of changes going in the off season for sure. Um, but I thought, okay, they grab Baker Mayfield. Who's not a starter, but for some team out there, you know, the, the market for Baker wasn't great in the summer, right? Who, who's he going to sign? Where, where's he going to go? No one wanted him at least for the price tag, right? The Rams got him for relatively cheap to have on their on their roster not to play him but as value keep in mind this is a business to me he's just he's just a business piece he's a he's a package basically uh he's he's a desk he's some, you know he's not a quarterback that's for sure um but anyway uh it is so painful hearing the words baker mayfield is on the ramps this is so he is uh he's potentially some draft capital for some teams that make moves. The Rams are looking to the future now that they they went all in, you know, last year for the for the past few years, really. Uh they don't have any draft first round draft picks. I don't even think they have many second round picks. Um, Baker Mayfield is a guy you could stockpile a, a few picks for. I think he went to Carolina for like a third rounder or something like that. So maybe his value isn't that high, but he is a quarterback who has started games in this league. He's won a playoff game. He has uh been been a starter on on multiple teams now. And I think that's ultimately what the Rams are doing. Matthew Stafford's not going anywhere. He's not going to retire or anything. You know, he's, he's banged up. He'll be okay. He'll be back. He just signed a, that a four-year extension, I think, last year. So he's got some more game to him. Um, so I think they brought in Baker for number two there as potentially draft capital. Hey, let's see what we can do with him. It's not going to cost us anything. And we can – I'm saying we speaking as a third – as. Uh, the GM voice, not we as in I, I, we, you guys know how I feel about uh, we uh, stuff, by the way. So I think they're potentially using as some draft capital. Hey, we'll give you Baker Mayfield. Uh, if you give us some, some uh, second round picks or whatever, it's, that's just the, the thoughts are going through my mind because uh, I, I didn't want to believe that the signing happened. Uh, and then the third reason, and I, I, this is far fetched, but I think it's, I think there's some potential here. Look at the NFC West rivalry between the Rams and the 49ers. It, it is the real deal. The, the 49ers own the Rams. We know this. Don't make any mistake about that. Rams did beat the Niners when it counted most last year in the NFC Championship game, which seems like 10 years ago right now. But if you remember when Christian McCaffrey was on the market a few months ago, and it pretty much came down to Rams and 49ers. And Christian McCaffrey has fit in great for the 49ers. He's been a game changer for them. He played his college ball up there. He's been a perfect fit for them. Um, but... One would argue because the Rams desperately needed a running back. And at that point of the season, they weren't quite eliminated yet. Um, their running back, Cam Akers, was giving them problems, blah, blah, blah. The Rams were real contenders for that, but they didn't have any draft capital, as I just talked about. So I think uh, this is maybe a conspiracy theory. And, and these days, conspiracy theories come true quite often, if you know what I mean. Um, I think there's some there's some potential that the Rams signed Baker Mayfield just to keep him from going to the 49ers just to spoil. You can't beat the 49ers on the field. You can't beat them when, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a top player on the market, but what you can do is 
take someone who just got released, who has been a starter before, and the 49ers are now down to their third string quarterback. And the 49ers are a Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl, probably the best roster uh, and, and, and team really uh, all around when you really look at things, especially on the offensive and defensive lines, which is really what matters most. So I think there's some, uh, you know, connect the dots, if you will. I think there's some breadcrumbs here that the Rams may have done that and said, let's sign Baker Mayfield just to keep him away from the 49ers who are desperate for a quarterback right now, because that was all anyone was talking about the past few days. What if the Niners sign Baker Mayfield and bringing in a quarterback to be your guy this point of the season, I think probably wouldn't work. You're probably better off going with a third string quarterback who's been in your camp and, and knows your playbook pretty well throughout the summer and, and obviously all of the fall. So I think there could be some real truth to that, that, that they just said, you know what, 49ers, we're going to play a little chess with you as well. Like you, like you've done with, with us so many times. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, you know, dodgeball and beating the heck out of the Rams on, on at recess as well. So I think those are the things I think, first of all, Rams, uh, their backups haven't paid any dividends, bring someone else in either uh, release those guys or, you know, put, put Baker out there to, I don't know, get, get other guys some more. I don't know. That's probably the least, uh, likely number two. I think the most likely is second one. I said, he, bring him in for some draft capital. Uh, maybe you'll get something for him later on. Uh, and then the, the conspiracy theory I think is, uh, Hey, keeping him away from the 49ers when the 49ers are a real contender right now, just to say, ah, oh, no, we could use this guy. Let's take him. Let's pick him. Right. You ever, you remember picking teams on, on at recess and you're picking, you're, you're trading off, right? You pick him, he pick him. Okay. You knew the first three or four picks. You pretty much knew who was getting picked on each team, right? You did the math. Like you just, okay, he's, he's going to take him. But if you were really good, which I was a little GM in third grade back in the day, uh, we were picking, you know, those, those 15 seconds of making your picks. Sometimes I would throw, I would, I'd be like, wait, I can get him. Cause he's going to take, I can get him after he chooses this guy. So I'm going to choose uh, a third round type of guy. And, and then the second round guy, like I would do stuff like that just by doing the, the pick a math when we were picking teams back in the day. And look what it's gotten me. It's gotten me a, as a, a rookie podcaster, you know, talking into a microphone ridiculously. So I think there's some truth to it. That's all I'm saying, but all in all awful day for me, Baker Mayfield ah, is, uh, is, is uh, signed with the Rams and for five games, at least will be on that. I can't even call them a football team at this point in the season three and nine. And this brings me to a question for you fans of other teams out there because it's been a tough year, but all year I've been like, thank God they won the Super Bowl last year. I mean, because otherwise I'd be, I'd, I'd be losing it. And so my question to you guys and take, take, take this any way you want family, kids, life, your job, whatever. But but I think it's probably most notably for for your team. If you could go all in on something, all in, and like I said, it wasn't just last year the Rams went all in. They 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 got in. They got Stafford and OBJ and and uh, Von Miller. That's when they made the most moves, right at the very last. But this was like a three or four year process, right, of just making moves and losing first round picks and making trades. But if you could go all in for like two or three years, knowing that you were going to compete, you're going to be in the playoffs, uh, be in, maybe in a Super Bowl or two and definitely win one, definitely win one. But then the next year be an absolute nightmare. I mean, three wins, they may finish with three wins. Uh, so less than five wins, you don't make the playoffs. And then on top of all that, your team signs a player that you absolutely hate. I mean, this isn't quite Colin Kaepernick numbers, but it's close for me. Would you take that deal? Now, for a lot of people, it's absolutely a Super Bowl champion. Oh, that banner hangs forever. That's where I'm at. That's why I'm like, okay, well, that's what I wanted to see. It happened. But with this deal with the devil that was made, this I, I truly know what it feels like now to the whole sell your soul to the devil. Hey, he'll give you something now but you will then suffer for it. And I think the Rams will turn it around uh, next year. They need to make a pitch somehow to leave the NFC West. Uh, so they don't have to play the 49ers twice a year, but uh, no, they got to get better and compete with those guys. But uh, it's really interesting now with Jimmy G hurt. If he comes back again, you know, uh, do, do they go to Trey Lance again? They have two guys with broken, broken feet. Who do you invest in now? 
first round draft pick or the guy that's led you to a Super Bowl and got you within a, a play or two of a second one. And has uh, quite a few starts under his belt. I told you guys I'm a Jimmy G guy. I would go with him. Um, but then again, what do I know? I don't know anything. And these predictions I make, they don't mean anything anymore. I, I'm so bad at these things. Anyway, I will get off of this. But a a answer that question. Would you take a championship if you knew for a few years after that? And I'm just dealing with one year right now. Who knows the repercussions, though? Rams don't have first-round picks. They're making moves that don't work. Would you take that? And for some of you fans that haven't had a Super Bowl championship in a long time, I bet you take it too. It'd be nice to have a Super Bowl in the 21st century, wouldn't it? Some of you fan bases, let alone two. How about four Super Bowl appearances in the 21st century? All right, I'm getting off my high horse. There's been uh, plenty of bad seasons as well. So uh, we move on. We we live, we survive, We keep the world keeps spinning. We put our attention on Kings hockey. And now at this point, I can just root for root against teams with great passion. Uh, like I do all year, but it'll mean even more now. To know that hey, I don't have to worry or focus. There were sleepless, sleepless nights, man. Playoff before Rams playoff games, uh, before they ran, eventually won a Super Bowl. Oh man, I was sick. I couldn't sleep. And yeah, I know it's just a game or whatever. But I don't have to worry about that stuff now. I just get to focus on my podcasting, my job, my life, all all that good stuff. Okay, and what else is here? Uh, I talked about Mills Lane. Okay, I want to go back to boxing real quick, guys. If you have not seen Tyson Fury fight or heard him talk on Instagram here is seen his videos. The dude is a showman, man, six foot seven, uh, however many pounds. He's a heavyweight world champ, uh, undefeated has a controversial draw on his record. He's knocks out almost everyone. He's, uh, the gypsy King. He's from England. Uh, he just knocked out Derek Tesoro over the weekend in London, another big time party, man. I mean, just not only is he a great boxer, not only is he a great person, he is very, uh, very, um, very religious, very outspoken about that, how it's helped him through suicide and depression in the past and everything. Not only is he all those things, but he's a great showman for boxing. He's exactly what the sport needs. He 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 gets in guys' face. He talks trash. He'll say, yeah, first first of all, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Jesus Christ." And then he just like, look at all these effing people here. Like he he's hysterical. Uh, you can't help but not root for the guy. And I watched his fight on Saturday and was just blown away once again by the, not just his performance, but the show, everything about it, the inspiration. Uh, I really hope he fights uh, Alejandro, Alejandro, you sick for the, uh, for the um, undisputed world championship here uh, in a few months. That will be one of the biggest fights uh, boxing has ever seen. Uh, Usyk, of course, holds most of the belts. That would be undisputed heavyweight championship. I think even the most casual of boxing fans would get behind that one. So it is December now. Probably looking at that potentially uh, sometime in maybe April or so. So uh, be ready for that. But if you want some entertainment, man, look up Tyson Fury. Just look up some of his videos. Not necessarily even his stuff in the ring, although his boxing skills. He's got kind of a goofy face as he, as he uh, bobs and weaves. But the dude is just massive, uh, a true showman of the sport. You guys got to see some of his videos. He's hysterical. He talks trash. Uh, he, he throws out uh, ins inspiring stories. Uh, he recites Bible verses. I mean, the dude is a dude, man. I, I, he's one of my favorite guys in sports. And if you haven't uh, d done so, please go in there and check out some of his stuff uh, in uh, just boxing and, and overall overall stuff. Uh just he, he's incredible. Anyway, uh, on to something else. Okay, uh, Deion Sanders hired by University of Colorado or Colorado University, University of Colorado, the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, so he makes the jump from the SWAC Division One AA going to, or is it the Division One A? Division One AA. Either way, one of the lower tier Division One uh, conferences in the um, historically black university, the HBU uh, conferences down there, and he's had a great. Career as a coach, three years, very successful, um, has brought in a lot of great players to Jackson State, guys who would otherwise go on to bigger universities and things. Um, and I think, honestly, that's a big reason he has been successful at uh, Jackson State. I think I've, I've really enjoyed some of the things he said to his teams in the past, some things he said to about players and kids and how it's not kids that's changed. It's parents that have changed. He's got some great messaging. And, and as a kid, I loved Deion Sanders. I was, I, I wanted to wear the bandana. I wanted to do the high stepping and all that stuff. I know me doing those things sounds ridiculous, but I loved neon Dion prime time, man. I thought 
He was so every time he got the ball, he was going to score. I remember saying to myself, even as a kid, man, this guy doesn't even try to tackle, but he didn't need to. He's he's intercepting passes, pick sixes, uh, you know, scoring all kinds of different ways, punt return. Then he played baseball. I was like, man, this guy just does it all. But back to Dion as a coach, I think he's been so successful at Jackson State. Um, obviously, he knows how to coach a little bit, but he's bringing in major talent to a level that is. I, I'm sorry to say it's a step below your traditional power five uh, division one conferences, right? Division one teams. And I only say that because the other schools that he was competing against uh, at that level, were not bringing in the type of division one talent that he was bringing in. And that's, a, that's props to him for sure. But I think that is a big reason he was so successful at Jackson state. And if you look at their scores, most of their scores uh, were blowouts. Now there's, there's obviously skill involved. There's coaching involved. But I think a big part of that is just the talent disparity uh, that he experienced there. Now, he's he's done great everywhere he's gone. Uh, but again, he's always had better players. Even if he gets some top dogs, some top recruits at Colorado, I'm not sure it's going to be the, the discrepancy of other schools in the Pac-12. Pac-12 just had one of the best years they've ever had. Uh, USC, UCLA, uh, Oregon, Washington, Oregon State had a heck of a year. Um, Utah, excuse me, the, the, the Pac-12 champs. I mean, what a year for the Pac-12. And now, uh, I, I'm not going to call him Coach Prime. I mean, I'm I'm a little uh, old school that way, I guess. Like, this is, you know, do you call him Deion Sanders? Fine. Uh, Coach Sanders. Um, I, I think he may have a little success early, but I think in the long run, uh, he's going to run up against it here at, at the University of Colorado because he's got a lot of swagger. He's bringing in all his guys, right, who are going to come there and they're going to change the culture of everything. Uh, and, you know, they're not going to have many of their 111, 111 football players uh, remaining on the roster. And again, with the transfer portal the way it is, um, I, I just I feel like there's still going to be better talent at USC you know, better coaching in my opinion, as of right now, uh, UCLA, they've had great, they've had some great years. Uh, don't write off in Utah. I mean, they, they're always going to be tough and, and, uh, uh, in your face type of team, very physical. And then Oregon and Washington up there in the Northwest, they have some great, great teams too. Pretty, pretty balanced teams for the most part. So I don't think Colorado's just going to step in there and, you know, blow up the PAC 12 and be, I think they they're, they gotta be better than they were this year. And even in, in recent years, but I think Deion Sanders, this, the honeymoon may be over here. He picked a good school to go to, I think in Colorado, not some sec school because it's a good light. All right, let's stick your foot in here. A lower tier division one in a power five conference. And let's see what he can do. But again, you're telling me tomorrow he's going to compete with USC, UCLA, Utah, Oregon can, I mean, that's almost half the conference right there. So I don't know. I would love to see Colorado football better. When I was a kid, the Colorado Buffaloes, they were in the big 12 and they were big time program. Um, So I want to see him do well. I'd love to see Deion Sanders do well, but my prediction, my bold prediction is that this is not going to go well. I don't see Colorado winning the PAC 12 um, in the next, I don't know two or three years, however long he's there. Maybe he moves on to something else. I think he's bringing his son in to be his quarterback. It feels very like AAU, um, you know, pony travel baseball type. Of, I'm going to coach the team. I'm bringing my kid with me. It has that feel to it. And I'm not saying I dislike Deion Sanders. I just told you guys I loved him. And I love some of the things he said in his, in his introductory meeting and stuff. I wasn't a huge fan of, but I, I don't think this goes great. I, I'm, I'm just saying when you look at the big picture of everything, and maybe the transfer portal, maybe he gets all SC's players, maybe he gets all UCLA's and tech, maybe he gets. I already saw a bunch of younger dudes starting to recruit to him and come to him. And and I the whole NIL name, image, and likeness thing that's a big deal. But I just have a feeling that you're not going to be able to do the same things you did at Jackson State. And the people that are like mad at him for leaving, I'm like, what what are you talking about? He came out of nowhere. He coached at Jackson State, great success. Put your program on the map. And then he went somewhere else for a new challenge, for new opportunities. I think as a as a grown man, as a, as an adult, someone who's been around the great game. I used to love Dion on Sunday nights, man, watching the uh, 
like NFL uh, highlights and everything. Him and Carissa Thompson and uh, Chris Rhodes, great stuff on Sunday nights. That Dion was awesome. But I, I'm just making that prediction. I think I think Dion's gonna not be facing Division One AA talent, SWAC talent. And there's no knock on those levels. This is coming from a guy that officiated all kinds of different levels, right? So I know that every level of football or any sport really it matters and it, and it's significant. But every every step up the ladder, it's uh, a lot more challenging. Players, coaches, and officials. So I have a just a, just a hunch, and the way the the vibe around it all, it just feels like okay, what you what you've been doing may not fly as well. Uh, in the Pac-12, and and you know, a few months ago, Pac-12 was like, oh man, this is a joke. This is a joke of a conference. But they had a heck of a year, and I do think when UCLA and USC leave for the Big Ten, that at that time, uh, Colorado might be able to to make some noise. So maybe it'll take some time. So maybe I'm all wrong about this, and I'm I'm reframing it all in my head. I think it may take a little time for for Deion Sanders and the Buffaloes to be a top-notch program in the Pac-12. Uh, but I think USC and UCLA got to leave first. And then after that, we'll see uh, what he can do with uh, the remainder of the clubs there. All right. So that is uh, that is that on uh, Deion Sanders. Um, let me see. What is next? I watched a, a doc- documentary. Hey, uh, Pepsi, where's my jet on Netflix? Um, it's about a guy that saw that Pepsi docu- Pepsi commercial back in the 90s. Remember Pepsi points? That was a real thing, right? That was pretty cool back in the day and how you could buy a leather jacket or shades. And and then they had the Harrier jet for 7 million points and there was no disclaimer on there. So this kid tried to basically uh, challenge Pepsi into purchasing the Harrier jet. I won't spoil it for you, but it's a four-part series on Netflix, about 40 minutes each. Something I thought I'd throw out there as I usually recommend. Little uh, little odd uh, branded shows and things that I watch. It, it's very ni- 90s nostalgic, which is why I uh, I brought that up to you. Um, okay, so the transfer portal, man, I, and then the NAIL, um, I said this, I think, before, but I am just not a fan of this, this transfer portal. The argument is, well, coaches can move whenever they want. Yes, they're the CEOs of programs. They are the top dog. They've earned it. They've, and 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 mobility, fine. Capitalism, fine. But in, in giving all these, Kids, college kids, money uh, as w- on top of their college education that they're getting. Um, this is a hornet's nest, man. Have you seen all the people that are going into transfer portals? JT Daniels, the former USC quarterback, he's leaving West Virginia. He's going to be going to his fourth, yes, fourth university. He started at SC, went to Georgia, went to West Virginia. He's now headed somewhere else in the transfer portal. And what these guys are able to do now is just go wherever the best deal is. There's no, it's like one, one and done in the, in the uh, basketball side of things on steroids. Cause guys will just play for a year and leave and go find somewhere else. And, and a lot of it is chasing money. Yes, but not all guys uh, and in football programs are going to make money. Sure. You're Caleb Williams of the world and everything. This is the problem when you start throwing money at guys and, and, uh, I think California somehow was behind this whole NIL thing. I just think it's been bad for the sport. And I, I'm a guy that, you know, the team I root for USC, they they benefited from this, bringing in all these transfers and the transfer portal. And you're having brand new teams uh, year in and year out. But still, I don't like it, man. I don't like, I, I, I'm a traditionalist in some ways. I am glad to see that the college football playoff is expanding to 12. So there's some things I'm old school about, traditionalist about, and and other things I'm not. And I'd like to think my opinion matters in those areas uh, that I, I'm a clear thinker that way, but I don't know. I just, it's just, it doesn't seem, not surreal, uh, it doesn't seem real, sincere. Like you, you used to sign with a school and that meant something for, you know, you're here for three years or four years or whatever. And if you wanted to transfer, you get to sit out a year, or maybe there was other ways around that. But now we're having guys leave every year. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with guys aren't, don't like getting yelled at or don't like sitting behind someone who's, uh, you know, better than you at a position. Guys aren't willing to wait it out and work. I mean, Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all, the greatest quarterback of all time. He sat for years in Michigan waiting behind uh, other quarterbacks. That's just an example. And, and, and most guys who play college football are not going to play in the NFL. There's that too. So you're not going to make a fortune playing football and maybe you're offered a, I don't know, a few thousand dollar 
NIL deal at this school. And this, I don't know. I, I just, the whole thing, I don't like transfer portal. I don't like NIL. Um, I think it's awful. I think it is. It will eventually, we will see college football turn into something we totally don't recognize. And for some people, they'll love that. You know, that's a big reason why USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten for bigger bucks and bigger opportunities. And, um, you know, Big Ten wants LA, well, they want the West Coast. And it's just, it's almost like this corporate feel to it. And I'm not against all corporations. There's some corporate greed and this and that. I understand all that stuff happens. Um, but it's it's almost like we're taking the the purity out of college football. And some would argue, oh, there was, it's never there. People are always cheating. Now it's just out in the open. I'm like, all right, wh whatever. I'm just the old man who thinks, uh, hey, well, they need to get compensated. Uh, they were 30 grand a year, 40, 50 grand a year, uh, whatever tuition costs that us peasants have to pay who can't throw a spiral 70 yards or kick a 50 yard field goal or bench press multiple humans, uh, whatever. Like the rest of us had to find ways to pay tuition. That was your way to pay for tuition was being a great football player. But now, no, let's give them money. Let's do this and that. Anyway, I don't like it. I think it's ruining the sport, uh, in a, in a lot of ways. And, uh, but once again, I'm just, I'm just the old man. Uh, I wore my in and out burger shirt in and out California. I don't like eh, California. I know, but Hey, this is, this is home. I, uh, unfortunately at times, um, went over to the in and out store with a, a buddy a few weeks ago who was in town and, uh, we got some stuff there, but I wear my in and out shirt because, uh, in and out burger, no matter what you're going through in and out burgers there for you. It's there when you want to celebrate. It's there when you're down, when you're sad, uh, when you just want to feel good. Maybe you're a little sick and some ice cream sounds good. Maybe a shake. I don't know. And it's there for you during the holidays. Christmas Eve, still a tradition of mine. Every Christmas Eve, in and out Burger at least once, if you know what I mean. I've turned it into, uh, I'm not ashamed to say, I've gone a couple times um, in one day on, on uh, New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve because I had to meet my brother or another friend and we're like, hey, are we going in and out? I'm like, okay, well, I'll do the nightcap also. And so uh, I, I keep, I've kept that tradition alive and will do so, but you know, having a hard time, man, this time of year, uh, working hard, but I haven't had my in and out in, uh, let's see, it's been a couple of weeks, which is good, which is good. I may wait until, uh, you know, the week of Christmas and we'll, we'll probably have an in and out food truck at our, um, at FedEx here in a few weeks. Cause December with us working all these extra hours and, and things of that nature, we, uh, they, they, they usually end up feeding us stuff uh, at night, which is pretty cool. It's, uh, Makes makes everything uh, that much more worthwhile in uh, you know delivering and uh, a lot of presents, a lot of volume out there these days. So it's a fun time of year. Um, what else did I want to get to? College players and Nepa. <laughs> yeah, um, USC man on last week. I was so excited. Um, not that Val was out of town. I was just excited. She was out of comma. Val was out of town. I had the Pac-12 championship game. The place to myself. Uh, I got some pizza, flipped the game on, got off of work early, had a shorter day. It was like Friday light. Yes. Got home, watched a PAC 12 championship game and just a lot of disappointment. <laughs> USC choked that game. And I got to tell you, it was a real indictment on the program. You can have all this flash and dash all you want. And all oh, the quarterback, he's Caleb Williams. He scrambles. He runs around so well. He he's a highlight reel, blah, blah, blah. But this game, man, it comes down as I've said it million and one times blocking and tackling. That was some of the most, the worst tackling I've ever seen a college football team in USC. Just two-hand touch. I mean, it was awful. Awful. I don't understand. Look, I know these are other grown men out there. I don't understand how tackling can be so bad. And and I, I do know why. It's because they don't tackle that much in practice. They, they you know, no one wants to get hurt anymore. And, and Utah seemed to tackle just fine. So maybe they only do these certain drills in, in other states. But you ran into a team in Utah that, teams like Utah, they play with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they play for their community, smaller market. Um, they're representing, you know, people out there. They have this, we didn't get recruited by other places, vibe to them. I mean, you really think about it. And I'm a pro LA sports guy all across the board, unlike a lot of you. And it's crazy. When you, when you take a step back and think about it, it's like, well, what is a team for LA? I'm talking like college football, college sports. Professional, it's totally different. But I love USC games. I love the Coliseum, the vibe, the tradition and everything. But do you feel like you're playing for the city of Los Angeles, for all Los Angel Angelinos? I don't know. 
I don't know when you say just the vibe I had, it was like a team like Utah or some of these smaller market teams and you say the sec or, or big, big, big 10, even it's like, they're playing for that region, for that group of people, for that state. And I'm not sure we have that in, uh, in USC, the vibe, maybe, maybe Lincoln Riley's got to establish the culture a little bit more, uh, in that. And this is really, you know, tinsel town, but, Again, with so many different teams here too. UCLA's around the corner. You got all kinds of other. You got multiple Division One football in the state alone. So it, it is just different out here in the West. I get it, but uh, that's just what I saw. I just saw a team that was more inspired in Utah, blocking and tackling. I mean, the name of the game. They did it better. It's not oh, oh any time a play works. Oh, they blocked well. Yeah, but it's just if you really dissect the plays, the holes, the the uh, the schemes, you can see well-blocked plays. I mean, pass protection. It was atrocious by the, by the Detroit. And I know Caleb Williams hurt his knee or hamstring, whatever it was. And then he was kind of just a, a pocket passer. And I, I don't know, that was kind of telling, wasn't it? That, oh man, if he, if he can't run around and be a human highlight reel, maybe he's not as effective. No, I'm not saying he is because he made a heck, some heck of a couple. Of, how do I say that? He made a couple of amazing throws uh, from the pocket. And he's used to running around. I get it. But uh, that's why I'm not a huge fan of the hero ball stuff. Like Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. Uh, his escapability and to, the ability to make th throws on the run uh, is second to none. But as far as sustainability, making a playoff run, all that stuff, I don't know, man. I think you need a lot more consistent plays in structure, on time, delivering from the pocket. I mean, that stuff really doesn't get old. And I think Lincoln Riley will probably uh, put a lot next year together to uh, not put Williams in as much har of harm's way. And a lot of that, uh, you know, hey, how did he get hurt? Was he running? Is it the multiple hits he took? I don't know. Just saying. Got to protect the quarterback. The quarterback's running a ton. Not always a, a safety thing there. Anyway. Uh, Utah blocked and definitely tackled a heck of a lot better than uh, than <laughs> than uh, the Trojans did on Friday night. So that was a bummer to my weekend. I'm sitting there eating pizza by myself, looking around, being like, oh, this is great. Here we go. Weekend ruined. Oh, awful, awful. Uh, what else happened? Um, so this is, look at, I give you little stories sometimes when I'm driving at FedEx and everything. I saw the most narcissistic thing ever. Um I am all about private property. Hey, what's what's mine is mine. Don't cross my lawn. Okay, fine. I get all that. Get off my lawn. But I was in the I was in this complex. The streets are pretty tight. Um, not a lot of parking on the sidewalks and things. Fine. You know, it's not one of it was kind of wasn't a gated community, but it's something like that. And on this one guy's uh driveway he had this little orange cone out and i thought oh man he must have had something painted or something and he put it a piece of paper out there that said private driveway do not enter or something like that and this wasn't like some like road or gated you know jurassic park gate thing there was you could go up in or like it, it was just like every other house there and this dude got mad about people like in order to turn around you you got to kind of go into someone's driveway you're going to be doing the the, uh, the, the 12, 38 point turn or whatever, it's going to take you forever. So I just thought that was funny. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? You're the only house on this street and I'm not mocking. This wasn't a customer, but I, and I, and I live to serve the, the FedEx community and all the people out there. But I just thought it was funny, man, to be like, get out. It was just basically like, get off my lawn. <laughs> it's like a little orange cone. This is a private drive. <laughs> do not, do not back. Do not use it as a turnaround or whatever. I'm like, dude, if anyone enters your driveway, it's it's not even it's barely gonna be two wheels. Like no one's gonna enter the driveway. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious. I bet you that person no, I shouldn't say. <laughs> Probably a indoor mask wearer, if you ask me. Uh okay. On to you know, uh in closing today. Uh I found let's see, those two things there. Okay. I may, I may. The whole Twitter and uh, Biden laptop thing. Uh, now it's true. Oh, my, 
Now it's been said it was, you know, the, the Twitter suppression uh, of, uh, of information, uh, all that stuff. Oh, that's, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Oh, well, well now it's true. Now it's coming out. Twitter, it's not Twitter gate. What are they calling it? Uh, and Elon Musk is an evil person for bringing, for bringing light to all of this, uh, not just suppression, but censorship and everything. And, you know, the major outlets, New York Times, Washington Post, they're not saying a word about it. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? It's kind of a big story. Like, I'm not saying it's Watergate or anything, but maybe, maybe it is. Um, shouldn't a neutral uh, news organization be like reporting on a pretty big news story? But they're not. It's kind of, they're staying quiet about it. Anyway, the whole Twitter, um, Twitter leaks, Twitter, what's it called? Matt, you have a computer in your hand. Twitter, I can't even spell right now. Been a long day. Um, Twitter leaks, I think that's what it is. But it's uh, Twitter files. That's what they are. Twitter's files being actively leaked. Anyway, I implore you guys who probably aren't hearing it elsewhere to please look up the Twitter files and find out... Uh, well, some of the things that have been going on that a lot of people said it were going on, but uh, you, they were being uh, labeled as conspiracy theorists. So the, the Twitter suppression, suppression basically of the whole Biden laptop um, story and how oh, that's false. That's fake. That's that's not true. Uh, even heads of state, heads of or government organizations uh, swore that uh, Russian disinformation. There's a whole bunch there. I can't even do it justice for me to talk about it. So please go check out the Twitter files and try to do it with an open mind, will you? To be like, uh, wait, what really happened here? Why would they do that? I can't believe they did, you know? Anyway, last thing I'll say, you guys know I love Outkick the uh, Outkick the Christmas. Outkick the coverage, uh, one of my favorite uh, news outlets uh, led by Clay Travis, who now runs a, a, or operates the best radio talk show, him and Buck Sexton, uh, national uh, radio show, but uh, Outkick the Coverage, Clay Travis's uh, company is still alive and well. They do great work. Uh, they post a lot of things out there. Out there, And um, they posted a story about – I try to forward and a lot of it on my personal Facebook stuff. Uh, they posted a, a story about Philadelphia, which has honestly become like a, a, a front runner in the, in the woke Olympics as far as um, awful cities in America – uh, there's a lot, LA, San Francisco, Chicago, uh, New York, but I got to tell you, Philadelphia, man, uh, which is sad because it's such a significant historical significance, uh, as far as our country goes and the founding and everything. I mean, Philadelphia has turned into just not only a war zone, but just an awful, awful city. And, um, they have gone out of their way to make sure that, uh, the Christmas tree, there is no Christmas tree in, uh, in their the city of Philadelphia tries to cancel Christmas tree uh, because it is what again? Uh, oh, continues to be uh, a woke cuss word. <laughs> Check that out on uh, my uh, Facebook. But yeah, it held its annual tree lighting ceremony in front of city hall last week, celebrating the start of Christmas season. Santa Claus was there. Christmas carols. The entire building was decked in Christmas decor. Uh, the one thing that was missing was the actual Christmas tree. The city officials refused to identify the tree as a Christmas tree. Instead, they refer to it as holiday tree. So, uh, the, the city of Philadelphia holiday tree lighting celebration and the word Christmas is not found anywhere in the events description. So this is an example. It is that time of year, the most wonderful time of year, right? Where everyone loves to dance around this. We can't call it Christmas. That's the C word. We can't do it. And I say this every year. Um, even if you're not Christian, you probably celebrate Christmas. Christmas, by the way, is a federal holiday. Federal holiday. And my bold prediction with Christmas is that Someday, this is December 6th, 2022, I am predicting someday the Democrats and the far left will do everything in their power to remove Christmas, not to season, 
the day, the Chris, the actual December 25th, they will remove Christmas as a federal holiday. They're going to make every effort they can if we don't keep uh, fighting this nonsense of a happy holidays, a holiday tree. This is the winter solstice. Get out of here. Some people try so hard to not just honor traditions. And if you look at all holiday, I mean, look at all of them. Uh, Thanksgiving, not a religious one by any means. Well, I wouldn't say by any means. There's some religious um, uh, religious history to it and everything. Um, but that holiday is attacked every year, every single year. Um, what's another one? Um, Fourth of July, another federal holiday. Well, that, that holiday is attacked uh, every single year. Christmas is the big one, though, because it has... Uh, it is heavy religious undertones or, or whatever, whatever the fancy words are. And I'm t there's only six, well, we get six federal holidays off and Christmas is one of them. And I look at the other ones, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Labor Day, Memorial Day, um, and New Year's Day. Christmas is the only one that really has a religious background to it. But like all... I can't, it's so stupid. You have all this Christmas stuff out there. You have Christmas tree, which they didn't have. You got Santa Claus. You got all these Christmas things, but you are so, you can't get the word out. You can't say Christmas. What are, what holiday? Happy holidays. Which one? That's what I'm, that's what I'm, I should start doing. Happy holidays. Which one? Uh, well, well Christmas and, oh, okay. Merry Christmas. Oh, Hanukkah? All right. Happy Hanukkah, man. But most of the most of the country celebrates Christmas and it is a federal holiday. So we can say I'm not even talking about it from a oh, our, our country was founded on Christian principle. I'm not even talking about that. It is so maddening and ridiculous that people they go so hard out of their way. They're so terrified of Santa Claus and Christmas. Yet uh some of the other things that we teach in classrooms. That's no problem. Oh, I mean, maybe uh, maybe it's up to the parents to uh, teach about Christmas, to celebrate Christmas. I don't know. America celebrates Christmas. Can we stop this nonsense? It's never going to work. But I'm just telling you, because it hit me the other day. I was like, there's been this war on Christmas every year. But what's going to happen? Because just when you think the far left is done, no, no, no. They got They got more for you. And there's plenty of people out there. There's probably a few listening here to the show even who are, who are they lean left and, you know, liberal people and then whatever. And there are plenty of policies and things that have been passed the past few years that you never in a million years would have supported. You're like, wait a minute, the Democrats are doing what? They're, they're standing up. They're, they're, what? This isn't me. I'm, I'm a liberal person. So my point is it will happen one day. I, 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 I can see it now. I can see AOC on the steps of the Capitol chanting Christmas is uh, racist or, or uh, imperialistic or I don't know whatever the words are. Uh, sorry, man. Christmas is an American holiday. Uh, you don't have to be a churchgoer to celebrate Christmas. Um, heck, you don't even have to have, you can have it be a sec most secular Christmas you want. Maybe you're an atheist. It's a Christmas. It's Christmas morning, Christmas lights, Christmas trees. It's going to happen, guys. You mark my words. They're going to push it. It's going to be uh, maybe not uh, some huge Supreme Court case like we've seen the past few months, but I guarantee you it's going to happen. And which side of the North Pole are you on? Which side do you stand? I stand with Christmas every single time. And if that offends you, man, you're soft. <laughs> you are so soft. You are, I don't, you, sh you and Baker Mayfield should take a stroll off of a short cliff. All right. On that cheery note, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Only 21, two more shows until Christmas day. Yes. December 25th, Christmas day. So Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Enjoy your December. Get that shopping done. I know I bounced around all over the place today, but uh, as I as I record these after uh, work days and such, it's just kind of how I'm just rapid fire. And I know I went like an hour, but uh, my apologies. But I love talking to you guys. I love hearing from you guys. So if I hear from you, that would be fantastic. You know where to reach me on social media. And of course, the uh, Get Home Safe podcast at yahoo.com is our email address. 
and uh, we'd love to hear from you in some form. Send, send me your ideas. Send me your Christmas traditions. We'd love to hear that uh, as I'll be going into those things, probably starting next week, uh, You know, not doing a list or anything like I did in years past, but just talking about some of my favorite things about Christmas and maybe some songs, and tr traditions, um, ideas, whatever. Throw them at me, and if you write in and call it a holiday list, I will rip your page up and throw it out the window. We're like, like today is Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday. Uh, I don't, you know, and a lot of people will say, "Well, happy middle of the week, happy middle of the weekday." It's like, yes, it has a name though. Say the name, or when you, hey guy, hey you, hey my name is Matt. Uh, oh yeah, well, well, uh, December twenty fifth, a holiday. Uh, happy, happy uh, day before, dude. Stop. Just call it Christmas. All right, enough for me, guys. Thanks so much. Tune in next week. Stay merry. Stay full of cheer. And uh, as always, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounding third base, get home safe. <laughs>